Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. there. I'm Devin Wilkins, founder and president of COTRA, the Canadian Old Time Radio Alliance, and it's my distinct pleasure to bring you more Canadians in Old Time Radio. From our Made in Canada segment, we have a drama to begin with. It's from June 28, 1969, and it's called 3,000 Red Ants. Studio 69 presents Three Thousand Red Ants by the American poet Lawrence Ferlinghetti Adapted for radio by Len Peterson A conversation piece between Fat and his moth In a great big bed Almost any place near the sea Three Thousand Red Ants with Eric House and Joyce Morgan. or are you not set? Are you going to ring, or are you not going to? If you're not, I might as well have a read from this. Beginning at random on page. Who cares? Oh, oh you wait, dear. Mm. Reading one of your books. Mm. Can't be one of mine. Mm. Hey, there's an ant in it. Look. Stuck in the gutter. Mm. One of those cupboard ants you never cleaned out. Caught in the gutter. Uh, you don't say. Ah, freed himself. Mm. There he goes. There he goes. Where? On the covers? Under the covers? He's crossing the T. He's on the word man. Still going. With his feelers. He's still... Are you reading that? No, a real ant on the page, walking around. Look, there he goes again. He? What else? <laughs> He's crossed the word man. He's on the word means. Stuck there. Feelers out every which way. Man means? Oh, oh. down in the gutter again. Just like a man. Means what, means who, means which. Don't ask me. You brought it up. I'm not asking you. I'm asking the ant. I didn't bring it up. The ant brought it up. The ant brought it? What up? He made it to the edge, the lower edge. He's... How I hate ants. And says, now, why do you all... Uh, he's dropping off. Dropped dead. Who? You and that ant. He's dropped off. Just fell off. Just went to the edge and fell off into eternity. 
Infinity. You know how insects frighten me. Spiders or things flying in the room. Anything like that. Gone this spirit. Imagine that. I have. We'll never see him again. Might as well be dead. He or you and I. I almost heard crying. A tiny wailing. Like somebody drowning. He's down on the floor somewhere. Trackless wastes, bleak. Nowhere. Nowhere? Wherever he is, I'll be thinking of him. Crossing trackless wastes. Or sinking like a great desert to sea. Endless expanse, on and on. No horizon. Still a brave new face for each new sad situation. What? I said a brave new face for each new sad situation. Feeling with his peelers. Confronted with great, endless, impossible wall, maybe. He faces it, faces up to it, feels it, hopeless. The end. He or she? Either. Depending on the circumstances, the requirements. As I said, for each sad new situation, a brave new face is required, a new identity. Why? Make up our identities as we go along, as needed, on demand. Improvise names and faces, improvise characters. Behold the improvised philosopher. Exactly. Improvisational philosophy, exactly. We're all in a gutter. You're in a gutter. Improvising each step. To balance, counterbalance... To keep our balance before we drop off and disappear. That's so. I'll disappear, too, one of these days. If you go on much longer about those ants, you wouldn't let me clean out of the cupboard. Why do you always have to live in an old house that attracts ants? Ants eat old houses. That's what they live on. New houses eat people. Will you please stop looking for that stupid ant? You know, they really frighten me. Frighten you? Oh, a little flutter, like, like when there's a bat or a moth in the room. But I heard a distinct... Crying. Promise you'll not get up when the alarm goes off? Goes down crying. Disappear. What? Promise you'll not get up when the alarm goes off. I dropped it yesterday, so maybe it won't go off. In which case, and you... In which case, we'll sleep through. Why should a retired department store credit manager worry about sleeping through? Not retired, fired. I still don't like to sleep through. I always like to sleep through. Mm, You always did. So, now... Maybe I'll join you. I did drop the alarm clock. You also dropped my egg cup. How can you say it was your egg cup when we have two egg cups, both of which are alike? Had two egg cups. Now have one egg cup. You broke one egg cup. Now listen. The calamity of my having dropped my egg cup seems to weigh more heavily on you than, than for instance, those 3,000 men in the paper who just got drowned. In the paper, 3,000 troops in Red China that just got drowned in the floods. And the ice broke or something. I read it to you. Also yesterday, like the egg cup. The two events, simultaneous as it were, in the same instant, maybe. And which, which is important to you? The egg cup. Of course. Of course. Or was I dreaming again? What? What was it? If I could remember, just remember. What? Ah, yes. I was dreaming something like that. I was eating an egg through a hole in the ice. Yes. Just a little hole in the roof of the shell. Chipped it open with my axe. I was carrying my axe. Or my butter knife. 
Little tap on the side. And off came the top, yes. Just big enough for the spoon. To fish through. Yes. Chipped a hole. In the eggshell? In the ice. With my axe. And... Yes. The river yellow and white. Underneath. Not frozen underneath. Trackless waste. Hear me, Moth? You said? I said there was snow on the ice and it broke the ice. And the troops fell through. You could hear their cries as they went under the paper set. Snow at Christmas. Of course. Not of course. Of course. There was still snow. I remember. Of course. There was snow still in the mountains when we were still living up there in the year of the big snows. And and, and I cried when... When the ice parted, they cried very much. What? What's what? Oh, you. I think sometimes you don't remember anything anymore. Don't you remember anything in the past anymore? Don't remember anything. Quite the contrary. My eyes see it all. Just as clearly as I... As if I'd been there. Myself. I do indeed. But you were there in the mountains, and you don't remember anything anymore. More than a minute. The, the span of time in which something actually takes place. All you care about is the present. Still, after all these years... As if I weren't with you all those years. All those years. It's not so many, really. So you like the past and I like the present. Well, where was I in this book? Page. Um, page. Chapter. Chapter. In the um, future on mass. The ant was on means. No, not here. Or here. Mm. What's this? What? When he wheeled his penis into the city's... ...square, it went off like a cannon. The ant? What is this book? Hmm. Well, so lots of goodies. Ooh. What now? It is a well-established fact that the world's greatest collection of erotica reposes in the Vatican. Experts on sin... So we go there next holiday? In the center of the territory of the assassins, there are delicious walled gardens in which one can find everything to satisfy the needs of the yearning body... And the caprices of the most exacting sensuality. Yearning. Body, the needs are. To satisfy. Delicious drinks in vessels of gold or crystal are served by voluptuous boys and girls whose dark, unfathomable eyes... Mm, that's more like it. I always liked voluptuous boys. All is joy, pleasure, and enchantment. Go on. With your back toward me. I'm listening. I can listen just as well. Better this way. All is joy, pleasure, and enchantment. Yes. I can imagine that. 
Yes, that's more like it. More like what? More like what I like. Have liked. Still like. I think I'll take a bath. Why don't you take a bath after? After? After the alarm goes mm -hmm. on? Taking a bath, one recognizes the true man. Mm, I recognize one when I see one and touch him and taste him and feel him. Yesterday in the tub, there was an ant on the edge walking along. Fell into the ocean. Ocean? Tub? Where is that book I'm looking for? The one I... Ah. Here it is. Now, where was I? Like the ant queen, she carries the seed of her long-dead prince consort around for years in a special sack in her abdomen. Ants again. There are, in general, only two kinds of ants, light-seeking ants and dark-seeking ants. Ants, 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 ants. Light-seeking and dark-seeking. That reminds me... Of another ant, I suppose. Exactly, an earlier ant. Earlier ant? Earlier, Exactly. One day, there was this ant <clears throat> on the ledger. The ink wasn't dry. I always used a dip pen, and the ink wasn't dry on the edge. And while I wasn't looking, this ant, ant tracks all over it, and I just about get fired of all on account of an ant. So that was it. That was it. The ant that broke the camel's back. How's that? Messed up all my accounting. More or less. More or less. Your whole life's accounting. I was more interested in the ant anyway. When I was a boy, I always wanted to be a zoologist. Was that me? Was that me way back then? So, a retired department store credit manager dreams about 3,000 red ants in China. Not retired, fired. So there we are. Exacto, here we are. Again. Not the first time. Exacto. In bed. Exacto. Well? What? Well, shall we? Shall we what? Well, are you going to... Or aren't you? Hmm? Don't you want to? Any more? Any more what? If I... I think if I were a deaf mute and could say only one word a year, I'd save up for two years and say, <laughs> Will you? Okay. Okay. That's all? Just okay? Mm, after all these years, should it be more than okay? <sighs> Never mind. Mm. Better now? Better... Comfy? Comfy! Is that so, baby? Comfy? Earth! Baby! What's wrong? After all these years, she calls me baby! After all these years, he says Irk. Never mind. Mm. Hot under this sheet. <laughs> Hot pants. Whatever you say. 3,000 red ants in the pants. Do they have to be red? What's the difference? All red blooded creatures, aren't they? Red blooded. Bloody creatures, all capable of bleeding. That is, even white ants bleed. Red? 
Well, now, that's a... I'm not sure. Maybe there are other colors of blood beside red. Likely. Very likely. Don't be so. A kiss? No, don't bother. I had a dream, too, while you were dreaming of your red ants in China. I had a dream, too. Mm, not surprised. You were the one who was always the dreamer. This time, I had a... A dream of separation. A what? Of separation. Me from you. I separated from you somewhere, a crowd on a hill. Where? Masses of people walking, seemingly without aim. Soundless, passing by, sadly dressed. A, a procession. A, only I wasn't among them. You were among them, I think, but... I wasn't among them. I was on a high hill somewhere by myself, looking for you, I think. Yes, a, a lone figure, only, only I was younger, a few years ago, with my slim girl's figure. Like in a travel poster. Hmm? Like I was a few years ago. All right. Like in a travel poster. Like one I remember very well, a... A picture of a great fjord with, with water way below and a, a high bluff and a girl's figure outlined against blue sky. Terribly blue. A, a young woman in a, in a light dress. A, you, you, could, you could see through it a little. Her summer dress blowing. A light breeze. Yes, a, a light breeze and a high bluff distant figure up there, fragile, summer's day, flowing, transparent, scarf blown back, looking, looking down for something or, or someone as if, as if something had, had dropped off, dropped off the cliff or, or been blown away. An ant dropped off. No, you... Moth, 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 darling. Moth, you're as unreadable as ever. Still, when I look into your eyes, I... When I first looked into your eyes, I remember I somehow thought of... <coughs> seabirds. What's happened since? Nothing. <laughs> Fell seaward to sea level with his hands. <laughs> this alarm must be broken, sounds it. And hands haven't moved since I... Maybe you forgot to wind it? Maybe. Anyway... Anyway what? I suspect... Suspect what? Time got going. Up and dressed on my way. You've forgotten? What? You retired, remember? Fired, not retired. Still have some place to go. Important. After all... No, Fat, don't talk anymore. Don't think, don't plan. Oh, my sweet Fat, so just just stay here with me and, and, and in bed, just with me. I may have got fired, but I've still got things to do. Plenty. Plenty, yes, right here. Plenty to do in the world. Up and about. You don't say. Not exactly red-blooded creatures, those crawling around down there somewhere. But still red... Still blooded, bloody. They still feel the cold, don't they? Even if they are cold-blooded. Who? 
The 3,000. There. On the ice, in the river. I suppose so. River in winter. Ice piled up. Couldn't get across hungry, probably. Mm, I've a hunger all of a sudden. Hunger and cold. Now I remember why I married you. What? I said I've a hunger, too. Yes, like a hungry animal inside me. <laughs> when he's sleeping, I don't know he's there, but once awakened, he's fierce. Life to be fed. All that. Yes, and all that. Look at me, not out the window, staring out the window. Anything as interesting out there as what you have beside you? Ah, yes. The sea. The sea. White caps. Oh, Lordy, such big white caps, like... Like a little face, each one. Hmm, yes. A sea of faces. Hey! There's a ship. Way out. Where are my binoculars? Where you put them. Where did I put them? Ah, here. <clears throat> Under the bed. Where everything of yours, and possibly me, eventually ends up. What a grand view through the window. Here from my bed. Out over the water. Grand view of what? The ship! You can even see the passengers in their cruise clothes. Under the bright gay awnings. Some couples playing deck tennis. And having a grand time. Wish you were there. Take a look. Oh, thanks. Beautiful weather for sailing. A little rough, maybe. We're coming in. Still way out. Past the reef, making for the channel. Yeah. Storm coming up, looks like. Look at those breakers. Wow. Incredible how fast the sea changes. Just a minute ago, the sea was as green as grass. Then those clouds came over, and it's a bed of steel. A plate of steel, all of a sudden. <laughs> bed of steel? Look. Look. Look through the binoculars. Moth. Oh, damn. I dropped them. You cracked a glass. Oh, blazes. Damn. I can still see through the other glass of the binoculars. Look. Hey, look. Crack, crack. Oh. Oh, uh. oh, oh, there. There's something wrong out there. Say, it's... It's on the reefs, by God. Look. Oh? Look at those breakers. It's on the reefs, all right. Do you want to look? I'm busy. Busy what? Making up your face mascara powder at the time like this? Yes, and at a time like this, what are you doing? Gawking through binoculars. Oh, gosh, really in trouble. What's that? They better do something fast. This listening way over. Mm, yes, really in trouble. Who? Who? Those people out, in the, out there on the water in the boat. You... Well, well. Well, well. Well, well. All you can say... It's, it's striking pretty close to home, huh? Well, it's gonna... It's actually... Lots closer than your old aunt. Hold on. That's it. Hold on, don't give up. Oh, for heaven's sake, Fat, they can't hear you way out there. No, but even so, good, good, good. They're passing out life jackets and lowering lifeboats. Easy. That's it. Lower away. Easy. Hand those lines. Why, so nautical. Check the blocks. Slice the binnacle. And like me, with my mirror repairing the ravages oh, 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 of... Oh, 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 oh. They're in plenty of trouble. Can't get the lifeboats away, so... Better get the passengers off the reef some other way. You'd think you were the captain or something. They can't see or hear you. Talking to yourself as usual. You're going down, sinking. They'll be all right. You saw the lifeboats. It happened so fast. Oh. 
There's a plane now. High, high up. Where the sun is, or was. Can't make out its markings. Red and... Uh... Say, the plane's shadow just crossed the window in the bed like an ant, like a, like a big black ant. Fell right in here on us, in our bed. It's got its nerve invading our privacy. But it's secreting something. Secreting? A bundle of something. A bomb, maybe. Good. No. No, it's a parachute. Of course, it's opening. Two parachutes. Disappeared in good riddance and wasn't ready. They're just black like any other old shadow. Say, a real rescue operation. Wonderful, terrific. They'll save all those people yet. Those in the boat, they'll, they'll catch those parachutes with the rubber life rafts and things. If they're lucky. It's flying off now, the rescue plane. Wiggle its wings and it's flying off. Must have been the good Lord himself flying in by that plane. Just at the right moment. And look at that, will you? Sky clearing now. Just like that. Sun coming back, popping back from somewhere. Make it a miracle from nowhere. And those in the ship have got hold of the parachute, by God. Yes, bright sun now. Light brighter and brighter out there. A real radiance. No other word for it. Radiance. Light still growing everywhere. Yes, and they'll... We'll... They'll all be saved after all. All swimming up, clinging, yes... Man's indomitable urge to to light, light seeking. Now see what you've done. Yes, pull the blind down. That's all. Silly creature! <gasps> Why are you hitting me? Always wanting to keep us shut in. Close the window. Close the doors. Pull the blinds. Why? Why? Why always shut the world out? Oh hell! I'm light-seeking, too, but it's not in windows or through windows. It's not out there. Haven't you learned that yet, imbecile? The untended prince consort? What? Oh, skip it. Like the ant queen, she carries the seed of her long-dead prince consort around four years. What's all this about, anyway? You figure it out. Moth? Moth, dear? Moth? I... Moth? Is life a muddle or a mystery? Mind if I pull the blind up uh, just a little? Just enough to see if... Empty sky... Empty air. Still nothing. Not a cloud, nothing. Inscrutable, not a sound. Silence of the universe. Empty silence, empty. Empty nothing, empty everything. Empty, empty. Empty answer to everything. You wouldn't see anything. You wouldn't even look. Give me those binoculars again. At least I try to see with what I've got, with whatever equipment I'm endowed with, with whatever. Well, endowed, all right, all right. <laughs> can't get it up, I can't get it up, can't get it up in the morning. Out there on the water, 
Nothing, absolutely nothing at all. See nothing, hear nothing. Maybe if I adjust the focus on these binoculars better. Ah. Oh. But now there's a... a vein, sort of. A, in God's eye, sort of, so to speak. Kind of a... crack in the ice, sort of. Through which to see... into eternity, maybe. As it were. Into the inscrutable, sort of. Into the... What am I seeing through these binoculars? What a breakthrough. If, a tremendous breakthrough. If Yes. There it is. There it still is, by God. No mistaking it. No matter where I look, there's that same little crack. That same little crack. Your own, Humpty Dumpty... Studio 69 has presented 3,000 Red Ants, a conversation piece by the American poet Lawrence Ferlinghetti, adapted for radio by Len Peterson, with music by Morris Serden. Production and direction, Gene Bartels, starring Eric House as Fat, Joyce Gordon as Moth. Sound effects were by Bill Robinson, technical operation Henry Durda. This is George Finstad for Studio 69. For our Canadians Abroad segment, we'll lighten the mood a little bit with an episode of the Alan Young Show from December 12, 1944, called Alan Writes an Opera. And now, Bristol Myers, the makers of Sal Hepatica for the Smile of Health and Vitalis for Hair That's Well Groomed, present the Alan Young Show. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is Ken Delmar speaking on behalf of those two old friends, Sal Hepatica and Vitalis, and welcoming you to the Alan Young Show, featuring our singing star Diane Courtney, the music of Peter Van Steeden, Lulu McConnell, and starring Alan Young. <laughs> and now, folks, it's time for our regular Tuesday night visit to Alan Young's house. Let's see if he's home. Oh, hello, Kenny. Come on in. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's just shaving with my electric razor. Excuse me while I finish, will you? Yeah. There. Kenny, aren't these electric razors wonderful? Look, it shaved every bit of fuzz off these peaches. <laughs> See, I've got so many things to do, Kenny. I've got to write a letter. Well, now. don't mind me, Alan. I'll sit down here on the couch. I've been meaning to write this letter for a long while. It's to a guy who owes me some money. Ah, uh, we'll make it a good, strong letter, Alan. I will. Let's see. How's this? Dear Larry... Who owes me a lot of money? You. Who never paid me back? You. Who is a chiseler and a rat? Yours truly, Alan Young. <laughs> Here. That ought to hold him. Let's see. There was something else I had to do. I want to put this picture up on the wall. Will you help me, Kenny? Sure. Okay. Yeah, you hammer and I'll hold the nail. Yeah, okay. Give there, me the hammer. There you are. Yes. Uh, you hit your finger with a hammer, Kenny. No, I didn't. I hit yours. You did? 
Oh! Hey, Alan. I, uh, I meant to tell you that I dropped by here last night and you weren't home. Where did you go? Last night? Oh, I was dabbling in culture, really. You know, the opera opened, so I went to New York to see a performance of Carmen at the Metropolitan Opera House. Got all dressed up to wore my top hat and white tie, but I felt chilly. Why? My bathrobe kept flying open. <laughs> did you sit in the box, Alan? No, I sat on the aisle. For 50 cents more, I could have sat on the seat. I was way up on the balcony. I sat behind a guy who was six foot three tall. Oh, then you couldn't see anything. Oh, yes, I could. I was lucky. The guy had a hole in his head. <laughs> really a very swank, uh... Who can that be? Hello, Alan. Oh, Diane Courtney. Come on in, Diane. Oh. Diane, you're a singer. You'll be interested in this. I was just telling Kenny about the performance of Carmen I saw last night. Oh, I can't understand it, Alan. You, of all people, going to the Metropolitan... What do you know about opera? What do I know about opera? Why, Diane, I was, I was born in an opera house. When my parents saw me, they were very disappointed. What did they expect? Rigoletto. <laughs> my father was something of a composer, you know. Once he started to write a piano sonata for four hands, but he gave it up. After all, who has four hands? Then <laughs> oh. my, uh, my uncle was a musician, too. He played the tom-tom. The tom-tom? Yes, and don't sneer, Kenny. It's a very difficult instrument. It can't be played by any Tom, Tom, Dick, Dick, or Harry, Harry. <laughs> you know, I've been planning to put on my own opera sometime. Well, who can that be? Hiya, Mr. Young. Are you home? Why, it's little David Dittenpfeffer from across the street. Come on in, David. Hiya, Davy. Hello, David. Yeah. How do you do, Mr. Delmar and Miss Courtney? I am truly overjoyed to see you. <laughs> oh, David, you certainly have your manners with you today. What makes you act so gentlemanly? Christmas is only two weeks away. I'm no joke. Well, I'm glad you came over, David. I was just going to tell Miss Courtney and Mr. Delmar about an opera I saw last night, and I want you to listen, too. Pay strict attention. This is going to be very educational, you bet you. <laughs> Mr. Young, did you know that my father is a new music... Uh... He's a what, David boy? He's a what? Musician. Good old. <laughs> he played the violin, but he gave it up and started playing the piano. Well, why did he take up the piano? His glass of beer was always falling off the violin, nosy. <laughs> oh, bless your little... Now, David, <laughs> David, your levity is out of place in such a cultural discussion. Oh, don't be sore at me, Mr. Young. Here, I'll let you play with my yo-yo. <laughs> I'm too old to play with a yo-yo. I'm not in the habit of doing such juvenile things. <laughs> String wasn't very strong, was it? <laughs> now, David boy, pay attention, and I'll tell you all about the opera Carmen. You bet you. Now, uh, Carmen was written by the famous composer Georges Alexander César Leonard Bizet. How do you spell it? Uh, C-A-R-M-E-N. <laughs> George Bizet was born in 1853 and died in oblivion, which is 20 miles south of Paris. <laughs> now the, um... Mr. Young, I just remembered that I had to go to music school. Music school? What instrument are you studying? The glamour hawk. The, the glamour hawk? What's that? It's a big, long tube, 39 feet long. 
And you play it by blowing into each end of the tube at the same time. Well, how can you blow into both ends of a tube 39 feet long at the same time? Do you have to do it? No. And what are you worried about? <laughs> All right, David, you can run along home now. Be good. I sure will. You bet you. So long, Mr. Young. If that kid's head was the North Pole and his feet were the South Pole, I'd love to have my hands spend 30 seconds over Tokyo. <laughs> Let's see, where was I? Oh, yeah, about the opera. You know, Alan, I've always wished that we had an opera in this town. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say the same thing, Diane. Oh? And I've often felt that we needed one, too. So why can't we put on our own original opera? I'll write it, and Diane, you can sing the lead, and... Peter Van Steeden can get an orchestra together with the local musicians. We'll rent the town hall for the performance. It's a great idea. We'll do it. It sounds great, Alan, but what'll we use for money? Money? Oh. Well, we'll get it from Mrs. Lulu Vandercrust. She's the wealthiest woman in town. She's just filthy with lucre. Alan, this makes me very happy. Yeah, and it makes me happy, too. Oh, Kenny, you're always happy. No, no, I mean that I'm happy that good music will at long last come to our town. You know, I write music. Oh, really, Kenny? Yeah, I compose music in bed. What kind of music can you compose in bed? Sheet music. Sheet music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless his little. <laughs> I thought maybe you'd let me put a song I wrote in your opera. Now, what song? I beg your pardon? I say, what's the name of the song? Oh. <clears throat> is you is or is you ain't gonna get Sal Hepatica? <laughs> And here's our glamorous singing star, Diane Courtney, to sing the trolley song. With my high starched collar and my high topped shoes and my hair piled high up on my head, I went to lose a jolly hour on the trolley and lost my heart instead. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yell, so I counted to ten. Then I counted to ten again. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heart strings. For the moment I saw him, I fell. Chug, chug, chug went the motor. Bump, bump, bump went the brake. Bump, bump, bump went my heart strings. When he smiled, I could feel the car shake. He dipped his hat and took a seat. He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet. He asked my name. I held my breath. I couldn't speak because he scared me half to death. Buzz, buzz, buzz went the buzzer. Flop, flop, flop went the wheel. Stop, stop, stop went my heart strings. As he started to leave, I took hold of his sleeve with my hand. And as if it were 
Society set. I'll be extra nice to her. I'll talk to her as if I were one of the 400, too. Ah, oh, good day, Mrs. Vandercrust. I'm charmed to see you again. Simply charmed. And I'm charmed to see you, my dear. Come in, won't you? And please excuse the untidy state in which you find my establishment. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean? The dump's a mess, dearie. <laughs> <laughs> This woman is one of the 400. She must have been marked down to 398. Come right in here, honey. Into the library. Oh, were you having tea? No. I used to drink tea in England, but I can't drink it the American way. Why not? The bag gets caught in my throat. <laughs> Are you dying? Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Vandercrust, I came over here to talk to you about an opera I'm writing. Do you know anything about the opera? My dear boy, before I started dancing in the Follies, I sang opera. Huh? I was the, in the Barber of Seville. Oh, what part did you play? A hot towel. <laughs> Ain't that rich? <laughs> I like the Follies better. Huh? Yes, but I had to quit because my foot was always cold. Well, why was your foot always cold? Because I danced in the Follies with a hole in my stocking. <laughs> I was wonderful in the Follies. Oh? On opening night, one of my admirers gave me an orchid. I still have it. Oh, by now, it must be a century plant. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, look, Mrs. Vandercourt, the reason why I brought up the subject of the opera is because we're going to put one on the town hall, but we need money. Would you back us? Why, of course, dearie, of course. What's the opera going to be about, honey? Well, I don't know exactly. I haven't started to write it yet. I've got an idea. Yeah? Why don't you write an opera about my life? You could call it La Triviata, Rigoletto, Il Trovatore. La Traviata, Rigoletto, Il Trovatore. That's the story of your life? Yes. What does it mean? Woo-woo! <laughs> oh, goodbye, Mrs. Vandercrust. I have to go to the public library and do some research. Trade beans. So long, Jerry. <laughs> Here I am in the library. Now to do some research for my opera. Oh, there's the librarian. Something I could do for you. Yes, I'm writing an opera. I'd like to see some books. The music on... books are over there. Yeah, but I'd like to see... Over there. But I want to... Over there. <laughs> Who does he think he is? George M. Coham? <laughs> Let's see these reference books How to write librettos How to write allegros How to write cantatas <laughs> Not a darn thing about music <laughs> oh, Here's a big pile of books here Gosh, they're piled way up to the ceiling The book I want is right at the bottom Oh, well, I'll just pull it out <clears throat> There I guess everybody thought the whole pile was going to fall down. <laughs> Fooled you, didn't I? <laughs> no! Quiet! 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 Whoa! 
I'm sorry. All the books were piled up to... Very high, and my book was in... Very bottom, and I pulled it out. Whole thing fell over. <laughs> Plunk. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh... Oh, Mr. Young, Mr. Young. Oh, it's my girlfriend, Betty. Hello, Betty. Hello, Mr. Young. I hear you're writing an opera. Oh, that's so sophisticated of you. Yeah. Well, I hope the people don't expect anything too avoir de langue d'amour because they're not going to get it. Why not? I don't know what it means. <laughs> oh, you'll write a wonderful opera, Mr. Young. Oh, sure. Of course, I got music in my blood. You want me to bleed something for you? <laughs> it's a wonderful opera. See, in the first act, I've got all the people... What key are you writing it in? All the... Hmm? What key are you writing it in? You think there's more than one? Mr. Young, I don't think I know. I don't think I know either. <laughs> but I'm not worried. If I need more music, I'll have Beethoven write a few more pages. He had lunch with me yesterday. But, Mr. Young, Beethoven's been dead for a hundred years. How could he have lunch with you yesterday? He forced himself. <laughs> Tell me about the story of the opera, Mr. Young. Yeah, well, it's about a boy and a girl. They're of different sexes, of course. Oh, Mr. Young. You mean like you and me? Yeah. If you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Young? Yes, Betty? My shoulders are cold. They they are? Yes. I'm very cold. And we're all alone back here. Yeah? Can't you think of anything to do about it? Sure. There, that'll make them send up some more steam. <laughs> Betty, let's look, look at some of the travel books, shall we? Here's a book, it's... Oh, this is a book on Niagara Falls. Betty. Yes? Oh. Oh, Mr. Young, you're so daring. <laughs> Betty. <laughs> Betty, after we're, I mean, after we've had our, uh, when we go on Mr. our... Mr. Young, you mean you want us to go to Niagara Falls? Yeah. I want that more than anything else in the world. Oh, Niagara Falls and our honeymoon. Oh, do you really mean it? Sure. I always did want to see how they made that shredded wheat. an unpredictable sort of chap. Oh, well. Gee. Look at the time. I'm going to need some help with my opera. I'll go down to the drugstore and ask Kenny if you'll help me paint some scenery. Kenny. Kenny. No, he isn't here. Nobody's in the store. Gee, look, Kenny's got a new shipment of candy over there on the counter. Nobody's around. I'll go over and feel it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Soft centers. <laughs> I don't know why Kenny doesn't keep... Uh, hello, Alan. Oh, hello, Kenny. I just dropped in to ask if you'd do me a favor. 
Well, I've got to work in my opera, and I wonder if you'd go down to the town hall and paint the scenery. I'll stay here in the drugstore for you and take care of any customer who happens to drop in. Yeah, okay, Alan, but be sure you're nice to the customers. Oh, sure. Yeah, especially the men. Why, of course I will, if they're bigger than me. Oh, you won't have any trouble, Alan. It's just that we druggists try to be particularly patient with our men customers, especially when they come in and ask for Vitalis. But civilians can't get Vitalis anymore. Yeah, that's right. And it's quite a disappointment to so many of them who've come to depend on Vitalis to help keep their hair well-groomed. All right, Kenny, I'll be very nice to anybody who comes in. Yeah, and explain to them, Alan, that the reason civilians can't get Vitalis is because Bristol-Myers were faced with wartime shortages and couldn't supply both civilians and servicemen. So they decided that the servicemen come first. And so all Vitalis made is going to the armed forces. Kenny, somebody's going to hate me for this, but why should a guy fighting a war want Vitalis? Well, remember, Alan, all of the boys are not at the fighting front. Think of how many boys are still in this country. And think of how many boys over there get leave. So they really want Vitalis, huh? Well, they must, for they're certainly buying it at their post exchanges and ship stores. That's why Bristol-Myers are giving priority to all orders for Vitalis coming from the armed forces. I guess once civilians understand this, they'll agree that the men in service come first. Don't you think so? It's time to put on the opera. The orchestra's ready. The audience is in their seats. Everybody here? Uh, no, no, Alan. Huh? Your lady lady, Diane Courtney, didn't show up. She didn't show up? Yeah, she can't sing. She's got laryngitis. What are you going to do? Do? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll have to get somebody to take her place. A beautiful girl with a charming figure and a gorgeous voice. Did you call me, Jerry? <laughs> no, Mrs. Vandercrest. I'm trying to get somebody to sing the leading role in place of Diane. Well, what has Diana Courtney got that I haven't got? And if I had it, where would I have room to put it? <laughs> yeah, well, Mrs. Vandercrust... is going up, Mr. Young. Well, there's no time. Mrs. Vandercrust, I gotta take a chance on you. There's my cue. I gotta get out there. Here I go on stage, kids. Wish me luck! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, while other masters have written operas about love and tragedy, I have chosen a somewhat different topic for our opera tonight, the subject of a physician-type doctor. Uh, but I see our, uh, our maestro, Peter Van Steden, is ascending the podium. <laughs> and from the basement, he will conduct the overture. <laughs> Peter Van Steeden and his orchestra composed entirely of local talents. <laughs> Peter, would you mind playing the overture as is? I am playing it as is. Huh? Well, then play it is as. <laughs>
you, Pip. <laughs> up, we find ourselves in a doctor's office. The rise of the curtain will be signified by a roll on the timpani. Woo! Cut it out, dearie! <laughs> Mrs. Vandercrust, don't stand so close to the kettle drum. beautiful nurse enters and sings the opening aria. Oh, calling Dr. Kildare. Dr. Kildare. Oh, where, oh, where is the Dr. Kildare? Oh, where, oh, where? Why am I one? Ah, cut it out, Jerry. <laughs> Mrs. Vandercrust, please keep well back, will you? <laughs> the patient is lying on the table. What is wrong with her? She will tell you the story herself. Would you mind giving me that again, Miss Geary? <laughs> Pay attention, Mrs. Vandercrust. I must listen to your respiration. Breathe. Deeply. <laughs> Cigarette. <laughs> Let me examine your eyes. What can you see? I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. <laughs> to operate. Scalpel. Forceps. Now, I'll begin to operate. Hand me my instruments. Now to operate...
operation is over. It is a complete success. There is nothing more to be done. Oh, yes, there is. The most important thing of all. We can't go on without it. Doctor, what is it? It's just my bill. Uh, just a moment, Alan. I want to read a telegram that we've just received. It's addressed to Alan Young, and it reads, quote, We are happy to inform you that you have been selected by the radio editors of the United States and Canada in the ninth annual poll conducted by the Motion Picture Daily for Fame as first in the most promising star of tomorrow classification, unquote. I want to thank the radio editors of the United States and Canada and also Motion Picture Daily for their kindness. Thank you. Now, on behalf of Diane, Ken, Peter, Lulu, in fact, all of us, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. And don't forget the two products that make our Tuesdays together possible. Sal Hepatica for the smile of health and Vitalis for hair that's well-groomed. Sal Hepatica, Vitalis. Good night. Well, the old clock on the wall says I've got to get out of here. So take good care, and we'll see you next week. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking. <laughs>